Cuphead and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Looks like it's going to stop raining, but it's probably going to rain some more. Well, I hope you're having a good day. A little late getting this out, but... A little motivation problem this morning. But anyway, I got a couple of voicemails. First one is from good old Colin at Spike Pit. Go ahead, Colin. Hi, Glenn. Colin at Spike Pit here. You was asking about applications and software for keeping track of your campaign. And uh, as a DM, something I like to use is Google Keep. I run it on Android on my phone, and I've got a little notepad computer, and I use the web app. Both are free. It allows you to, you can share pictures into it. So if you're surfing the net, you see something you like, you can share it direct to the app. Um, I use use it quite often because it, it can auto put checkboxes on a list. It's like a note-taking app. Uh, you can share it with collaborators. So if there's people in your campaign, you can all work on a note together, maybe up, updating some campaign notes. Uh, I like it to do, like I get an image, take it off the internet, write some little notes for an NPC or a location. That's my main use. Anyway, perhaps try that out, mate. Catch you later. Thanks, Colin. Hey, yeah, um, Google Keep, I didn't even know about it. I knew about all the other Google programs, but I didn't know about that. I'm going to give that a try. I've got two other programs that I want to try, Dungeonomics, and I have a lifetime subscription to Campaign Logger, so I'm trying to get that to work, too. I'm going to try all three of them, see which one works best. Uh, Keep Keep looks interesting. It's more of a scheduling, note-taking stuff, but that may be what I need, because, you know, you can put anything in there, which is great. Can't Not so it's something like Campaign Logger. Dungeonomics, I don't know. I think they're still working on it and still putting features in it. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, I'm going to try all three and see what happens. My next voicemail is from Larry over at Follow Me and Die. And Go ahead, Larry. Hey, Glenn. This is Larry with Follow Me and Die. I just had to say it. Demon dogs, Ookla, Ariel, we ride. But seriously, uh, mix up your tropes. Loads of fun. Uh, Gamma World, Metamorphosis Alpha, Fantasy, mix it all up. Uh, couldn't agree more. I guess if you want to have a strict game of limited to a certain type of genre, you can do that. Uh, but throw in some weird things once in a while to mix it up. you got to keep your players guessing. Go f- plain vanilla for most of the game, and after a while throw in something weird, and you'll really get them. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, genre mashups, I've kind of gotten different thinking on those now. When I started out, I was really like the genre police. I was really uh, more strict saying, okay, we're going to play this genre. And I looked down on people who would like mix and match stuff. But since then, I've come to the realization that it's good to mashup genres sometimes it wasn't i don't think i was objecting not so much as the genre mashup but how they did it i think you just gotta you gotta kind of blend it in because i've seen things where all of a sudden bam there's something that shouldn't be there well 
technically, I mean, if it's a kind of like a sci-fi western or something like that, like, well, what helped me with that was Mutant Future and Thundar, because Thundar and Mutant Future, post-apocalyptic is kind of a mashup, because they tend to do like western themes or modern sci-fi themes. You can throw anything in there. I used to hate, I used to, I used to look down on him. Uh, Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. I used to look down on that because it's like, come on, Dave. Come on. You don't put a crash spaceship. Yeah, well, you can, but I mean, that's not genre. And I found, I realized that it was just kind of heavy-handed. It was a little too heavy-handed for my taste. Now, dealing with Astonishing Swordsman also helped me because I just, I needed some kind of framework and understanding pulp fantasy helped too, because if you're, say you're doing a fantasy campaign like Burroughs on Mars, okay, you've got some fantasy tropes, but at the same time, you may have some technology because this is Mars. It's a different place. It all depends on where you set it. For instance, I've got steampunk in my D&D. And I make no bones about it. I don't apologize for it. I go just this shy of having black powder. I use steam and clockwork for things like guns and things like that and other things. And that works. And it's kind of a it's kind of a melding. See, to me, steampunk, it's like somebody told me somebody told me film noir is not a genre. It's a style. I forgot who said that. I think it was Brad Bird. I don't know. It's a style you overlay on another genre because there is film noir, modern film noir. There's been film noir westerns. There's been film noir sci- Blade Runner's sci-fi film noir right there. That gives you a good example. And steampunk is the same thing to me. You can do straight Victorian. There's Victorian steampunk. There's fantasy steampunk. There's whatever you can think of steampunk. Go watch... Briscoe County Jr., and you'll see steampunk in a Western. Or Wild Wild West, for that matter. And that mixes steampunk, that mixes Western, steampunk, and secret agent type stuff. So things can blend. It all depends on if you have the finesse to do it. That's all. Anyway, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate that. Today I want to talk about hacks. What do you use for hacks in your games? I have a few hacks that I use that I've learned from over the years. My biggest hack is benchmarks. I've talked about benchmarks in my video series before. And what it is, is I go into a situation, or rather I go into a game system and I figure out what the the benchmark is, what the average is, what the average is for a character. And then I go from there. And that's a hack for me because then, I learned this from Savage Worlds, by the way. There was somebody who did a blog post about mooks and things like that where you can base them on all one type of die so i find the benchmarks in each game okay this is the average how does this go for i can even do that in supers although supers you know with the customization thing you kind of expect it not to be the norm but you still got to find the norm like in D, i take 10 stats of 10 is the norm yeah that's a little high some people say because usually it's eight or nine they say eight or nine well, I've got a thing against negative bonuses. 
I want my characters, I want my NPCs, I want other people's characters to either have no bonus or a plus. I don't want to see any negative bonuses. So I don't deal with those. So I do 10, which is, I could do 9 and still get the same results, but I do 10, and then I figure out what the average stats are for an average peon, peasant, whatever, which is 10. And that's and I go from there. I try to write down a template for a character. And so when it comes to, and even monsters you can do, I mean, they do averages in there already. Uh, you, how, many, how many times have you seen a module where it says, hit dice three, and then in parentheses it'll say 17? That's the average right there for that monster. And also it's, it's handy because you can either roll the 3d8 or you can just take the 17. And a lot of times I'll take the 17. I've done benchmarks for a lot of critters, especially the herd critters like, or the tribal critters like goblins, orcs, ogres, things like that, where you go, okay, what's the average warrior? What does he do? That's my hack because it makes writing things like stat blocks real easy. For instance, in Gangbusters, I have an average on my characters, and all I do is write down what's outstanding about them. Same thing with D&D. You can do the same thing with any other any other character, because once you've got the, the benchmarks, you can vary from there. You can even write down on the stat block, like, okay, here's the here's his AC, here's his weapons, here's his damn blah, 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 blah. And stats, okay, he's got a strength of 16. And a constitution of 14. And you can go with that. And everything else is 10. And it doesn't affect, especially like I said with the goblins. And the go- and, and when I'm doing the, the, the tribal characters like goblins and the goblinoids and all that, what I do also is I just put down the number of attacks and the damage. I don't care what the weapon is. I'll put the number of attacks and damage. And if it's, you know, if I put three, it's CCP, usually claw claw bite. If it's something like an octopus, you know, a kraken or something, you get number of attacks, eight. So if you're just doing, say, seven of them are tentacles and one's the beak, you just put uh, tentacles, 1d6 times seven, and then the beak is 1d8. That's how you do it like that. So I, I've learned these little, little hacks, these little shortcuts. It makes running a game real easy, and I can just jot stuff down and go. I love that. Okay, uh, I'm also a proponent of the five-room dungeon. If you don't know what that is, go to John Four's role-playing tips, and I believe there's a search engine there, and type in five-room dungeon. If you And there's other places on the web. Other people have talked about it, too. It's called the five-room dungeon. And what it is is it gives you, like, the entrance, the thing, the puzzle, the things, the thing, and then at the end, there's the climax or the reward or whatever. And what's the nice thing about it is you can link these together. You could do a five-room five dungeon, say, with a theme, and the last room can link to more rooms in the dungeon. So it doesn't have to be five. It could be a series of five-room dungeons. It's just a way to categorize your dungeons. And if you're, you're doing it on the fly, it makes it a lot easier. I'm also the proponent of, as, as you know, frameworks, not stories. And that's because the players do things you don't expect them to do. So you have to be able to be flexible with a, with a situation in a story that you can be flexible. Here's the thing. When I say framework, what I mean is a framework within the session. I have a larger framework, like a story arc, usually, if I have a campaign, if there is a goal in the campaign, 
which is also a framework because if the PCs are doing something and there's something happening in the in the in the situation in the in the the grand story arc the opposition has to be able to counter that or not counter it if they can't maybe the PCs are that good and they're winning or maybe the bad guys are just a bunch of dumb brutes who knows or maybe they're masterminds but the point is you have an overall framework and you have frameworks within your sessions that you just say okay they're going to do this and Let's see what happens. Because modules are always, if this happens, this happens. If this happens, this, I don't do that. I just know my personality is going in and I say, okay, they're going to rob this merchant and see if the PCs see them. If they do, boom, there's a situation, the encounter, go. And that will have reverberations down the line, maybe. If it's just, you know, that that's a good way to start one. That's a good way to start a campaign. But I, I'm saying that the situation has to be that flexible. And, and that's good because that keeps me on my toes. Because like I said, the characters do stuff that you don't expect. Or the, the player characters do stuff that you don't expect. But at the same time, they do stuff you don't expect, which is a good thing. Because to me, they usually come up with stuff that I just love better than what I came up with. And I don't care about my stuff at that point. I mean, I care about where the story direction is going. It, it's easy. You can still, I'm not saying you're not railroad, but you, you can still influence where the story goes to a certain extent, but you got to leave it loosey-goosey. You really do. So those are the kind of hacks I use in the game. If you guys got any hacks, why don't you drop me a voicemail here at Anchor or give me an email at oldmangrognard at gmail.com. That's my little spiel on spiel on hacks and benchmarks. So I may elaborate on benchmarks in a later episode. We'll see. Uh, anyway, I hope you all have a good day. And until I see you next time, keep the dice warm. And I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air.